There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Raising Rebels family. Thank you all for tuning in. The feedback has been incredible. We are so excited to have Raising Rebels out in the world and know that it's connecting with so many people. Our goal is to build community and to free our children. So please share this podcast. Follow us on social media at Raising Rebels Pod on Instagram and join our special private Facebook group where we invite parents to continue the discussions from each episode. We love hearing you. So continue to DM us and contact us at our website, www.dominosound.co backslash Raising Rebels. Moxie, you've gone on a lot of playdates. I think playdates are pretty stinky. You do? Yeah. When you're the, when you're the host, it's so pressureful. You want to have a great time. You don't want them to be all like, that stunk. You want them to be comfortable. And, like, it's stressful and annoying. And they don't want to do anything. And, like, complications. Ooh, complications. Stand up, bussing, and fighting. Hi, I'm your host, Nalika Radway, and this is Raising Rebels, a podcast about oppressed parents raising free children. I'm also an oppressed parent trying to raise free children. Each episode on Raising Rebels will feature courageous conversations with parents and my three wonderful girls, Glory, Moxie, and Blue. Today, we are joined by Jill Flowers, a mother, a healer, and a creative. Welcome, Jill. Hi, thank you for having me. We are also joined by her partner and my friend, Kavon Flowers. Say hello, Kavon. Hey, what's up? What's going on, people? <laughs> Today, we are talking about play dates and our experience as black parents trying to navigate them. What is one word to describe how you're feeling right now? Tickled. <laughs> Kavon? Uh, curious. Fantastic. I am fired up. I am so <laughs> fired up. I'm so excited to have you guys both in the studio. And I'm re- I have a lot to say about this topic. So you're going to have to like pace me. You're going to have to like, like tell me to slow down mm. um, and make sure it makes sense. I have so many thoughts about play days. Mm. <laughs> um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Jill? I'm in the healing arts and I am a guided imagery facilitator and I am also uh, about to become a hypnotherapist. Whoa, news here. I thought we were friends. How come I'm hearing about it right now? Okay, Kavan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm pretty much a stay-home dad, a vocal producer. Um, on my spare time and leisure, I am captain of Black Men Run New York City. That's the running, that's a running group for uh, black men. Uh, we have pretty much a healthy brotherhood and healthy conversation. Awesome. And he does a really good Jay-Z impersonation. Really? <laughs> well, if I take my time and I lay it on, you won't really know the difference oh, for the most part. 
I'm not messing. I love this. I love this. I love this. Okay. Okay. So back back to why we're here. Why we're here. Um. So tell me one thing that has surprised you about being a parent. Um. What surprised me about being a parent is having patience. Um. Understanding how parenting works, meaning just you know dealing with things differently as opposed to you know like an adult one-on-one it's like you gotta you get frustrated with kids but you you know how you would get frustrated with an adult you have you know your kids can take you there too Mm -hmm. so you have to like really like take a step back outside yourself and just be like yeah right they're a kid they're a kid they're a kid so that's i would say that jill what surprised you i'm constantly surprised at how how I feel like I'm failing and I have to always dial back and like make sure that I'm celebrating mm-hmm. and saying like reminding myself you you are a good mom mm-hmm. and it's it's they are the ones that make me feel like I may not be a good mom mm-hmm. because I didn't do the thing that they you know they're manipulative right <laughs> So, you know, I'm I'm I am constantly reminding myself I am I'm a good mom. Do they say like you suck, mom? Because my because Gloria, my youngest often will tell me like (laughs) you are the worst mother ever. And I'm like, I'm the only mother you've ever had. Um, But, you know, I understand she's having a moment playing or playing oh no 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 she's dead anger no out of like frustrate like out of Uh, like a critique like i've uh, been watching you and uh, you suck um but then you know then we come back around to it so i understand Uh, i completely understand they they actually don't say that and and recently lucky you i've been asking them i've been saying (laughs) like i've been saying like i'm like am i a good mom oh and and then i'm saying like are you is there anything that i have done Mm -hmm. that bothers you that you want to talk about is there anything talk about raising free children mm-hmm. right because my mother never did that. Mm-hmm. um but i was like is there anything that i've said or i've done or may maybe i've ignored you or maybe i was just too much i don't know if they're telling the truth but they both have said no you're a great mom Aww. and i love you and no and i'm like is there anything you want to talk about and then I'm like, what about your dad? <laughs> <laughs> and what they say, they say, bring Jay-Z back. You know what? They, <laughs> nah, they <don't> do <laughs> we parent, we parent differently. Mm-hmm. And I am surprised sometimes <laughs> that like they're just that this is their dad and I'm their mom and we're the only ones that they've had. And they figure it out and they figure it out and they don't they don't pay they, like that's their dad and that's the thing that sometimes i have to remember mm-hmm. like that's their dad mm-hmm. and and it's actually it's just different from me yeah and they're cool they have their relationship so there are times where i'm kind of butting in and they don't need me to butt in they mm-hmm. they got it mm-hmm. you know um, and so that's that's another thing that's kind of surprising too. You guys, there's, there's something that has been happening on Raising Rebels is like these guests come in and they're just like foreshadowing things to come. Because the conversation you're having, we're going to have future episode. But today we're going to be talking um, about 
play dates. And in preparation for our conversation, I ask that both of you do a reflection. Mm. Um, and the point of doing the reflection is so that we get in touch with our childhood self mm. um, out of respect for children, out of respect for our children. Um, and just to remember, like, what does it feel like to be a child versus like, what does it feel like to parent a child, which is where usually we are. And so much of the in um, intention, I think, around playdate culture is to build and to nurture connection of children mm -hmm. in hopes of creating a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And so for black and brown children, play dates can often lead to a sense of not belonging. Um, and we're gonna talk about that. But today I asked you both to think about a memory of a time you felt belonging or a time you felt like you did not belong. Um, so, who would like to start? Kavon. For me, I grew up in Brownsville, New York. Brownsville, Brooklyn, excuse me, New York. And the, it was all about, and we talking 78, 79. That's prime time gangster. Mm -hmm. And it was about survival. That's it. And I was the only, only child, I was the only boy, so... You know, it was about surviving. You had to go for yours. It was just bullies everywhere you turn. So I was the kid who mom was like, come upstairs at a certain time. I was teased about that. Um, I always had, you know, my mom, you know, she got me pretty much anything I want. I was the fly kid, but that came with consequences that I wasn't prepared for because it was like, oh, he got the new, I'm going to take it. Oh, he got the new... So it morphed me into becoming something that I really wasn't, you know, because I, I like to laugh. I like to hang out, you know, whatever. But, you know, it just it just was a hard time for me. And it, then I had became somebody, like I said, who I wasn't. And with that, it made me just angry all the time. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, the super tough guy for no reason, you know, and it was like I would have to find things to calm me down or, you know, that far as like my interests, which is music, mm -hmm. you know, so that was my go-to. But um, yeah, I mean, that was my memories in terms of my younger years. And then it was around mid eighties, I started, you know, hanging out with the older guys who basically took me on their wing and they introduced me to the 5% Nation. Mm. So I started doing that and that kind of got me in and I became like the, what you call that? Uh, you gotta tell us what the 5% Nation is. I will. Uh, the 5% Nation is is pretty much, um, it was based off of this man by the name of Clarence13X who pretty much um, promoted um, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to black boys and girls just to pretty much teach them how to be right in alignment with, you know, just doing the right thing for the culture. And um, it, it was basically mathematics and dealing with numerology and astrology, astrology and things like that. And basically, you know, it was preparing you for something that it was is that's now you know as far as the future and um it stuck with a lot of us but a lot of us who were out there that you know we didn't know we just had a crazy time trying to find ourselves mm -hmm. but this was giving you a foundation and a sense of belonging right 
Right. And it worked awesome. for the most part. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Jill? You know, I, I felt when I thought about growing up, I felt very much safe. Mm-hmm. I felt like I belonged. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a house with all my cousins, my aunt, my uncle, my grandparents. We lived on top of the church, and it it just was a house full of of family. And um, I was very comfortable with who I was, and and I think a lot of that just came from being around family and being raised just in this house with all of my family. Um, so. I never, I don't remember having babysitters because for me, I was with my grandmother or I was with my aunt and I was just visiting and I was in the house that I lived in. Mm -hmm. So I never, I never felt afraid other than when the lights were out in the church. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that's, I, I, I did not have um, any sense of not belonging. Mm Mm-hmm. I the the memory that came to is so interesting because the memory that came to me when I was thinking about when I felt a sense of belonging my earliest memory was in my household at my dinner table and at my dinner dinner table it was four of us it was myself my two sisters and my mom and we all had a seat like you know like everyone had their place and every mm-hmm. time you came to eat a meal I knew that was my place. Mm-hmm. My, my younger sister was to my left. My mom was to my right. My older sister. And that's just how we sat. Um, and that sense of like, this is my space. This is where I belong. Mm. Um, everybody knows it. My mom is going to put what I like there. Um, always made me feel so like good (laughs) and Mm. and it made me feel so confident and made me feel like I could talk about anything that was on my mind um, differently than our kids do, but still (laughs) like I had agency in that space and it made, you know, in thinking about my own recollection, uh, it made me think about when I was a classroom teacher and as a classroom teacher, something that, you know, you know how important it is for young people to feel like they belong. And so you put their, name everywhere in the room you make sure they have their seat you try to make sure that they have a picture of themselves somewhere in the room so that they feel like this is my home too you may, you do all of the work and all of the things um that you think are necessary in order for them to have agency in the room and space mm-hmm. and i realized that at all as much as i've tried to do that i would find in classrooms whether it's in a predominantly white institution or if it's in a school that is predominantly people of color, but is culturally white, um, that our children of color didn't feel like they belonged. Um, And I would then go to their parents and I would say, you know what might help Um, your child feel a sense of belonging, or I wouldn't use that term, but I'd like to connect more with the other students is you should um, try to set up play dates. And fast forward, I want to say with my youngest child, Glory, uh, I went into the classroom, her classroom, and her teacher said to me, you know, Glory's not exactly connected (laughs) (laughs) to the other um, students in the space, Mm. and you might want to set up play dates for her. 
Um, so talk about a full circle moment. And I remember the thought that came to my mind and I kind of checked the teacher um, is that I felt like playdates are problematic mm -hmm. for black and brown children and black and brown families. Um, that teacher was very understanding. She's awesome. But it was a thing that she hadn't thought about. And I kind of went through like what felt so problematic to me in trying to help my child navigate these play days. Hi, Blue. Hi, Mom. So last week, I don't know if it was last week, but a while ago, um, you had asked me, Mom, why is this, why is it so important to you that I have black friends? Mm -hmm. what, what did you mean when you asked that question? Well, as long as I remember having friends, you would always ask me to have more black friends. How many black friends do you have? How many color friends do you have? You should try and have more colored friends, you know? And then, like, you go to people's houses, you'd call parents, like, stuff like that. And I'm just wondering. Like, I was just... What do you mean when you go to people's houses, I call parents? What does that mean? Like, you would call parents to talk to their kids, so we would hang out. You know what I mean? Oh, I would try to arrange the meetings and play dates. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm, yeah, and I was just wondering why it was this level of importance for you to get out of your way and not only tell me to have more, try and have more black friends, but to get out of your way to help me get there. I think that I am part of the reason why that is hard to have a more diverse group of friends because of the different environments that Papa and I move in and where we live and the schools we put you in. Um, and just also just how the world works and functions. Like we want you to do particular things or live a particular way or be a particular way or have access to different things. Um, and I think we also want you to be connected to black people because we are black people and to see yourself as a black person in the world. Um, so I think that's part of why I got on my way to do it because I feel responsible. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And so... I guess I want to ask, has a teacher ever suggested, and we haven't talked about your kids yet. So introduce your lovely children. It's so funny seeing you guys sit here. Mm -hmm. I'm like, O-M-G, it's them. <laughs> it's them. It's them. It's them. So please introduce your children. Uh, we have a little daughter. We call her party, party people, people in a place, place to be. be. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, her name is Issa. She's seven years old. And then you have Silas, who's he's a he's a he's a beautiful kid. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I can't I can't even say anything else. I mean, quirky at moments, you know, but he's cool. You know, he's in the uh, I say the stage of finding himself. You mm -hmm. know, 
Um, I think he's like eclectic is a word that oh, he uses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He definitely. is so eclectic. Yeah. Yes. Because, yeah. I mean, Silas, yeah, because he can put on anything and it just make it look hot. And I'll be like, <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> like, so, yeah. He, he can. It's true. He's cool. True story. He's cool. True story. And, and he's 12. And he's 12 years old. 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are times when he's asked, <laughs> yes. you know, can he go and play set up can i set up a play day with kids but i've done it mm-hmm. but it would be at the school with the kid when he was going to public school at the time mm-hmm. and i've done that mm-hmm. but other than that well Issa right now she's the one who's like i want to set up a play date i want to <laughs> set up a play day i'm like I, I, i'm just like and these kids go to her school but i'm just like what's the uh, i just I'm, I don't have that patient sitting there. I just I, the conversation sometimes. I I'm not in. I, me and the parent can't don't have a connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, that's the other thing. You mm-hmm. the the parent has to have a connection. Mm-hmm. You can't set up a play date, kid, and just mm-hmm. and then think you know because sometimes the parent will just ask you questions that either too personal mm-hmm. because I don't know you. Mm-hmm. I. <laughs> My kid and your kid goes to school together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they interact every day. I may see you in passing. Good morning. Sometimes we don't speak in the morning because mm-hmm. it's that type of morning. But I'm like, I don't want to sit and talk to you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be on my phone and up. Oh, we time's up. <laughs> That's it. I want to say when um when Glory's teacher suggested that she go on a play date, I wasn't. I wasn't I wasn't surprised at all because like we say Glory um, doesn't suffer fools or and another way of saying that is like she doesn't have patience for other people's like mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's a four year old who doesn't really dig other four year olds at the mm-hmm. time um, she's growing she's getting much she's like growing in her understanding and patience and all of that she, right now she's walking around house like I'm really trying hard to be selfless mm-hmm. um, so that's that's her work wow. um, but I remember saying like when she, when I just I said it to the teacher at the time I was like I think it is crazy mm-hmm. that my little black child um has to like work overtime, mm. like after hours, right. <laughs> you know, like right. time and a half right. in order to build a relationship, co- relationship yeah. and connection yeah. with with kids in her room. Like what's going on here? Mm. Um, Jill, how do you feel about play dates? I, I go begrudgingly, but I'm really happy that like Silas has friends who I like the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, Issa still hasn't worked. We, we just haven't worked it out yet. And I actually just gave her my number to give to a little boy that she plays with often mm-hmm. to give to his mother so we can maybe set something up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a lot it's, of work. It's a lot of work. But the, the thing is, it's like, it's frustrating that my child's social life is contingent upon my uh, on me right and me being able to connect with the with the parent mm-hmm. too um why when did children have to have a social life either i mean i think that to me is even you're speaking to how you know i say that i think play dates are fundamentally racist and why i think that is because 
they disproportionately have a negative impact on people of color. And you're just speaking to one part of that right now. I often would say, you know, at the end of the school day, when parents who have the flexibility to pick up their kids are socializing and connecting and building, which tend to be affluent or white families, um, that is not true for many families. That is not true for many families of color. And mm -hmm. so to coordinate all those things, to build those relationships, mm -hmm. now like you have to figure that out outside of um, your time. And I do think that's a little crazy. Somebody made this up, play date crap. <laughs> <laughs> because, all right, let's go back. When we hung out with each other as kids, it was... You were old enough to go to that. If that person lived a little ways from you, mm -hmm. you were old enough to walk over to a few blocks or to the other side of town and go hang out with them. First of all, in my house, no, no, wait, we didn't go in anybody's right. house. You didn't go you in didn't anybody's, go house. anybody's house. house. Right. right. Nobody came into. I like. I literally didn't have have a friend in my house until I hit high school. Right. And my there mother was go. not home. Right. Ma, sorry, but. <laughs> And I, you played on the block. Like right. we, were, we were playing on the block. And then, and that was it. And that was it. And, and that was then, fine. And then you didn't see them in, if you didn't see them in school, you didn't see them during the winter. That's but right. But in the springtime, everybody came back out. But I'm saying, if you have a friend that you were that close to, you, and you, you had to that's be old enough. That's your play cousin enough. though. Right. That's but your that's, play cousin. I was going to say, like, I was close to my god brother. <laughs> yeah, that's right? your god brother. So, <laughs> god so, brother. so, so I had somebody to play with because my mother was visiting her best friend, which they live next but door. But here's the other thing too, the, the kids now, you know, because of the cost of living, things are different. The person that you play with in school, remember, everybody used to live on the same block. Mm -hmm. Now, because of the cost of living, you have Shamisha, Kim, and all of them live all the way across town now. They got to get bussed in as opposed to some still remain on the block because they couldn't afford to live there. Mm -hmm. But now it's spread out now. So it's like there isn't anybody to play with on the block now. I will say the block where I live, my kids do not play with any kids on that block. Right. It, you know, and, and it, I do, I, you know, I do think that as parents of color, there's a way that you're constantly having to navigate your values yeah. with, right. you know, helping your child navigate, like you said, like cost of living, um, white culture, white, yep. like all of this, all these environments that yep. in some ways you've helped put them in, maybe because of how you like what you have access to and in other ways, just the circumstances of right. life. Right. Um, and it's really hard. Like it's so difficult. And like for us, I want on the weekends, I want my kids to be in the Bronx where I grew up, right? Because mm. I want them to be connected to that culture and to black people and right. to spend the weekends at their grandma's house. But I also have to recognize that when I do that, they are losing social capital with the collective at school. Because mm. when they went, you know, we were playing this game and these are the rules and everything's cool. Mm -hmm. Friday, peace, everybody's going home. They show back up on Monday the rules unchanged because it was a play date, right, <laughs> you know, right, right. or there was a birthday party right. and things got negotiated and shifted and they're showing up like brand new. Right. And that is happening over and over again. And over the after like a course of a school year or even more over the course of like, you know, schooling, mm -hmm. that disconnection that already exists, you know, that already is mm -hmm. felt, that sense of like, I don't belong here because who I am culturally is mm -hmm. at odds. Mm -hmm. um, 
just expands. And so we're balancing that because I'm not willing to give up or I value more the connection to the block, you know, like mm. to right. our family than this 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 other community. Right, because where we live now is is pretty much almost predominantly white. Mm-hmm. You know, I've reiterated to Silas and Issa numerous times. I call it field trips. Like when I when I go through my old neighborhood, like on route going to my mother's or whatever, I'd let them know this is where I grew up. She'll tell you this is that. You see that? You see that kid going to school by himself? Well, you see that kid out here this time of night on his own? That's the difference, you know? Mm. So I'm always explaining to them so that way when they see it and they come across a situation, it's like, oh, okay. You know, they can understand Mm -hmm. and not pity and Mm -hmm. not judge. Mm -hmm. Because we're trying to navigate this, like you both said, and we admitted we're like outing ourselves. Mm -hmm. You do play dates, (laughs) I do play dates. Do you prefer to do the play date at your house or do you prefer to do the play date at some, like to send them to someone's house? Because you talked about like, being together with the parent. And I gotta say, that mm-hmm. sounds like a form of torture. <laughs> I very, you know, like, it OMG. Is. Like, I, I, that sound like at you know, those birthday parties that you go to, oh, and then God. everyone's yeah. there, and the, they said you could drop off, but for whatever reason, they don't wanna drop off, so mm. they stay. Yep. Um, and it's not that they're horrible people, we're, they're just not my people. Right. right. And I don't want to have, I don't do small talk. I don't right. know how to do small talk. That's not my, I don't want to like, I mean, and then for me, what ends up happening because my children are in like these multiracial environments mm-hmm. and sometimes um, their friendships are with like white folks and mm-hmm. different folks. And you know, you'll send your child to a play date and then at the end of that play date, pick your child up and the parent will say some microaggression that you're like, oh <laughs> shoot, my child was just sitting in the mm. midst of this. And then there's the other that's like, oh, are they trying to like, oh, they want the black friend. Like my kids are very sought after. Like p- people are always like, can they come over? <laughs> yeah. Come hang out yeah. with them. They're so fun. They're so, Cause they're yeah. like, they're the like they're very digestible for white folks, right? Um, and so safe. they very safe. 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 They're charismatic and yep. friendly, and mm. all of the things. Like yes, you can be and like oh wait, you want to culturally appropriate my child, and like that is part of what is happening. So last night we had, I think, a pretty tough conversation. It was loving and supportive, I hope I tried, um, about friendships and relationships with black kids and with white kids and what's hard about that. Can you tell me again what you find hard about your relationships with black kids? Well, I am black, I am a woman, and I'm also very lucky I get to go a lot of vacations I get to my family gets to buy groceries in bulk and such and my parents are not divorced and sometimes just like around black kids I don't feel black in like comparison it's just like hard to be around black people to have something you're connected to but not but don't feel fully connected to mm-hmm. so that's hard and did you remember what i said to you about that um like degreasing hardships like isn't worth my time it doesn't make anyone feel good 
and just because I other people have it really hard doesn't mean my pain isn't valid right and the other part of it that I think is really important and you touched on or we talked about in our conversation is this idea that there are many ways to experience like blackness and to have a black experience and that sometimes because of racism and social media and all kinds of things we start to think that there's only one way and the other part of it is no one wants to be pitied and there's nothing to pity about any thing that people experience you can empathize you can feel like you can recognize your own privilege but to know that people are good like they're loved and the relationships that they have with you with their families with each other um are all valid and you are black, <laughs> you know what I mean? And your black friends really appreciate your experience. And I think you really appreciate the experience and getting to know them. Um, and I think that's really powerful, Blue. Can you tell us a little bit about what is, or tell me a little bit about what's hard about relationships with non-black people? They usually just don't get it. Like with white people, they can't understand the fullness of racism. They don't want to understand the fullness of racism. They don't understand. And I can hang out with them, but sometimes like during deciding whether or not to go to protests or stuff like that, it's just hard to be around them because they don't understand the vastness. And so I'm thinking about all of those things yep. when I'm sending them off. That um, happened, that happened with uh, a situation with Silas that I just was, I refused to let him uh, till this day. I'm like, no, no, you can't. I don't, I don't like, I don't like them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not saying like to say I don't have to know them to not like them. I met the father. I met the mother. The mother's weird. The son is crazy, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just like, mm, not feeling it. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, not for you. You don't need to adapt to that. You don't need to adapt whatever they got going on with them. It's hard because like you come, they come back in. Like I'll send um, that little one. She's special because mm-hmm. I'll send her to play date and she'll find the like the white dolls in the person's house and mm. she'll want to like take, they'll like take one home and she want to bring it back to our house. Yeah. And we don't do, yeah, yeah, we, we don't, don't do white dolls in our house for very, you know. All white images. Right. So right. for real, for, I mean, one time a parent um, gave, was like, we had a birthday party and interestingly enough, none of the white kids in her class showed up for that birthday party. Um, wow. I know it was like one of those moments like right here we mm. are. Mm. And so, one of the parents was so apologetic and sent a present home like in the school bag. And I was, she was really excited. Mm. And so I came home from work and I go to Glory's bed and she has white fairy stickers all over her bed. Mm. And I was like, I cannot believe that someone would decide to buy this little black girl 
a present with all white fairies, all white fairy stickers that now she put all over her bed so she can see when she wakes up in the morning right. and be mm-hmm. reminded that but they don't look anything like, like me. Right. Um, and I and I've had like it, it, I, so frustrating. I got I was so frustrated by it. And so I'll check in with like my white folks, like pe- white people that I can talk to and trust. And the mm. way they've ex- had I've had explained to me um, two ways. And one is that white liberals want equality plus one. Mm. Meaning they want equality, but they want one little extra point for their child. <laughs> and I've had another friend, um, white friend, um, communicated to me like, Nalika, because I'll be so frustrated. Like, why is this happening? I don't understand if all everybody. And she's like, Nalika, white people are fine with racism if it benefits their child. Mm. And I was like, huh? That's weird. Like, tell tell me more. And I, she was like, if it ben like, yeah, racism is bad, but they're okay with racism when it benefits their child. And I was like, oh, that, you know what? Mm. Unfortunately, I think that's true for many people, not just white people, Mm -hmm. but when white culture or how things benefits their child, you're okay with it. And those are the situations that we're having to navigate as Mm -hmm. black parents um, when we're thinking about Mm playdates. And I think all of that's really frustrating and Mm -hmm. really hard. Mm -hmm. And so, do you think there are any benefits to playdates? I think yes, there are some benefits to to playdates, and I do think that um, children being able to connect outside of school it it's important. It's just we like in our household, it's new to us. We didn't have playdates. The thought that I had was that there are benefits to playdates, but are they needed? Mm-hmm. And I I don't necessarily think that in order for us to take care of our children, like instill values, teach them about the world, teach them about diversity, teach them about other people, teach them about other cultures, teach them about their own culture. I don't know if that is the vehicle that I would use. I don't, I don't know if they're needed. I think I, I like, and I, I definitely feel at this point, we don't really do play dates unless I'm, curating them you know and i think part of the challenge in trying to raise these children differently than how we were raised is about telling them all the truths yeah Mm. and when you tell children all of the truths they they synthesize like they did they figure it out and they understand complexity in ways that i don't think most adults give them credit for and so they're gonna come to these like conclude and you it is the thing about it i find it's not what I say to them that is what they believe. It's like if I say something and then there's like constant reinforcement of that mm. idea, right? Like mm-hmm. if I said, you know, the sky is pink and they never see the sky pink, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you right. know, like, you know, mm-hmm. but if they, if I say the sky is pink, like, well, actually at sunset, the sky is pink. I saw right. it yesterday too. I saw it yesterday. Oh, wait a minute. Then that's how that happens. And so if you're going to talk to your child about racism and oppression and how it functions in the world, then they're gonna see it. And I'll have, um, recently I was sitting down with Blue and we are always having, she's at that like, at this age where knowing all the oppression that exists in the world is feeling like a weight. Mm-hmm. And like, this feels so heavy to me. Mm-hmm. And it's and she's like looking at me like, it feels so heavy, is my life gonna suck? I'm like, mm-hmm. no, your life's not, your life's gonna be amazing. Mm-hmm. And knowing that this exists in the world 
is to help you recognize that it's not you, it's them. Mm -hmm. It's every, it's them. It's mm -hmm. not you. The reason why that per like you're being is not about you. It's about this thing that, and that is empowering. But it does hurt when you look at it. Yeah, it is kind of like it's not it's not pretty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you both so much <laughs> for sharing, <laughs> for telling the truth, for teaching, for keeping it um honest and authentic. Um, we all learned so much from both of you today. What a gift. Thank you for see having ya, ya. us. Thank you. Thank so you much. very much for it's having us. It's a pleasure us. to be here. Kavan, do you want to... I got to say, mm -hmm. now that I'm just hearing you through my headphones, you really do sound like Jay-Z. It's kind of freaking me out a little bit. <laughs> say say goodbye to us in your in your most Jay-Z voice. You want to beat? No. <laughs> I took my time to say goodbye. One time if a song cried. If I'm at it, I never let it die one time. All for you is what I love. What I be, it's me. <laughs> Thank you both for coming I'm to sorry. Raising Rebels. I'm sorry, Jay. Let's remember that this playdate thing is super complicated and it's okay to say no. A question I'm left thinking about is how much work are we doing as oppressed people to feel a sense of belonging in this world? And how much work are we asking our children to do? Thank you so much for listening. This parenting thing is so hard and I'm so happy that we have each other. This podcast was produced by Domino Sound. You can hear what I say, let you be loved. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.